The Gold Card Podcast is brought to you by the Esports Department. Gain access to the tools, projections, and analysis trusted by the best for League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Join today at theesportsdepartment.com. Welcome to episode 105 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL on Twitter. With me tonight, we've got the full crew. We've got Chris Chung at Prime LOL. Who's happy? Missed my cue. So sorry, missed my cue, just like how I miss <laughs> all my bankroll. I'm missing them, man. Missing them. <laughs> it's good to have you back, Chris. We've got Josh Roberts at Roberts number 49. Good evening, y'all. And we've got the one and only John George at the Esports Plug. How we doing, everybody? So t- uh, tonight we're going to you know, just briefly recap the Rumble stage, which was, I think, a lot more interesting than uh, like the final result showed, necessarily. And then we're going to talk about the semifinal. I guess the knockout stage, not even semifinals, because it's just four teams. So we're going to go uh, right to the knockout stage that's happening starting up on Friday morning. And, you know, we'll get out of here, hopefully keep this pretty brief this week. So... Uh, before we do that, we did have one. We've there's a lot of roster rumors and and stuff like that. Uh, I just want to give everyone a heads up. We're going to be going over that next week. So next week is going to be probably a very brief recap of the weekend in MSI, a brief takeaway from the whole tournament, and then we're going to go over all the hot stove season stuff and then discuss like our you know what we think of the teams changing in each of the four leagues moving forward. And I think. There's not too much changing. Europe seems like it's got the most changes going on, and, and we'll talk through those and you know give you guys our uh, prognostications on where we think all these teams are going and everything. So, But that's going to be next week. This week we're going to keep it strictly with MSI. Before we did that, I just wanted to briefly touch on – we did get start dates for the LCS and LEC. So uh, June 4th is going to be the LCS start, and the LEC is going to be starting on 6-11. A little weird to me. That NA's got to travel more, but I guess everyone's traveling. This doesn't really make that big a difference. Uh, so the fourth is two weeks. It's not far. Not next Friday, but the Friday after. Yeah, we still don't have LPL and LCK, which is like really tilting me. Yeah, it's the LPL and LCK. I would assume the LPL is probably going to be that same weekend. And they just haven't announced it yet, or at least not told anybody that I was looking at. Uh, none of the good sources anyway. I would assume it's going to be, like, in that week. So or maybe it'll be, like, that Monday it'll start. So, like, the 7th of, Ju- of June. And the LCK, I'd assume, is going to start a week after that. Probably, like, the 14th. Or not, uh, it'd be, like, the 16th because they start on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, so, June 4th, Friday, June 4th for the L- uh, LCS. And Friday, June 11th for the LC- eh, eh, LEC. Um, once we know more about the LSK and LPL, we'll let you know. So, Rumble stage. Uh, we've got Damwon emerging first, RNG second. I think no one's really surprised by those two being the top two seeds. And then we got Mad Lions and Paris Saint Germain Talon as the three and four. Uh, was it PSG was the four? No, PSG was I the think three. PSG was the three, yeah. Yeah, PSG was the three. PSG was the three, I remember, because... Um, 
Yeah, so little I mean I think a lot of people were surprised, but I can proudly say that none of us were particularly surprised about Paris Saint-Germain Talon. A uh, bit of a rough start to the tournament, but they they really kind of rounded into form. I what what's cool about this team is they did not play this way domestically. Like they were very much like you know, stereotypical two core mid-game scaling kind of team, like just minimize mistakes and scale. And they have not been that at all in this tournament. They've been scrappy. They've been aggressive. They've been taking a lot. I mean, I wouldn't say they've been risky early, but they've been willing to take some risks, and it's paid off for them. I think uh, I think River and Doggo have really stood out. River, River's been incredible on Rumble. He seems completely adept at that champion. Some of the junglers you see are... You know, a little so-so, but his has been really, really good. I know the broadcast was touching on that. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess we'll just start start with Talon, and then we'll talk about the matches. Uh, I think – or do you want to start with the eliminated? Well, just stay, stay on Talon because we're already talking about it, and then we'll touch on the other teams one at a time. Yeah, big big performance from Talon, which we kind of thought that they – there was a, a, a moment during the tournament where it felt like maybe they weren't going to live up to the expectations that we had for them. And then they kind of busted it out of the water, especially towards the end of the Rumble stage and overperformed, I would say, for the last, like, uh, two, three days of the Rumble stage. Their early games have been really surprisingly good. Um, I feel like they've gotten leads on teams like Damwon and RNG in the early game. They even had a couple of losses that they probably should have won against the top teams. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're looking very solid, very good. Um, we'll have to see how that translated in the, in the best of five to see if they can hold up in series with these guys. But, yeah, they've, they've played very, very well, probably even above my expectation of them, Yeah. even though I thought they'd get out. Josh? <clears throat> they ruined everything. <laughs> That's all. Uh, they, they ruined literally everything. They did kind of uh... – Jock Block Cloud Nine a little bit there. No, huh? no, nah, nah. uh, no. I have someone else to blame for that. We'll we'll get to ah, that in a second. Okay. But they they I felt like Talon kept ruining DFS slates for me, and I don't know if, <laughs> if it was just me, but like it's because like they they never had the day where you're like very confident that they're going to win both. Like they never had a like a Pentagon yeah. Cloud Nine day or something. Like it didn't at least that I can remember. But it was always like if they had Pentagon, then they were playing like RNG too or something. Yes, yeah, so it was tough. Or to... like. It's like what it felt like to me, and I could just be misremembering or something. But, um, like I'm pretty sure they ended up optimal either every day of I the think Rumble it was all stage, but one, wasn't or it? It was maybe like all the one. Yeah, it's like yeah. almost every single day they were in the optimal lineup. And like every day, it was like they like it was. I I don't know. And John, you were doing the videos daily, so uh, I I'm not sure if you felt, but I think I remember like at least one of the days you were kind of feeling the same way, where you're like, yeah, like you could play Talon, but like. You know, if you're going to bet on an underdog to win their two games, then I think it's probably better for this team that has, like, a more realistic chance and a guarantee. Like, if you had Mad against Pentanet and and Talon, then you'd rather play that than Talon against Mad and Cloud9 or something. You know what I mean? So, like, it, it just, like, never felt like the right play to play them, and it just kept costing me money. Like, not uh, – you know, I was still cashing a decent chunk of the time, but, yeah, it was just like, man, there was just frustrating for DFS purposes because they were – and when they were winning, they were doing it in, in – pretty high kill fashion for the yeah. most part so uh, so yeah that was that kept ruining my slates more than anything chris what did you think of psg talent uh, look um they cost me money as well uh, <laughs> like, like like josh in the same mindset it's like they never feel comfortable you know that they have good upset potential all the time uh but i do i am glad of the result because um 
it just hopefully it's a wake up for a call for LCS or near airport as our favorite meme. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know that they are not a region to be considered like given the benefit of a doubt that they're a major region. Everyone else is catching up to them. They even lost to the koalas, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'll put it this way because we, I, I never actually got your guys' exact opinions on the PCS as a whole, but I'm, I've, I, I came into this operating under the assumption, not even under the assumption, just like from what I watched, like the, and I said this last year too, but the the PCS I basically have on par with the LEC and LCS, like maybe. Like I could see, like anywhere, like slightly, be- like slightly below LEC to the same level as the LEC, but like I- it's in the ballpark with those three. So like, to me, this wasn't surprising at all. And I think we all expected this team to be pretty good, but I think, like, I never actually got your guys' opinion on, you know, what you thought of the PCS as a league, not just PSG talent. Like, do you have it in the same? I, I always struggle with league to league comparisons because. Well, one, because a lot of them are different sizes, but two, because it's a little bit non-specific. Yeah. But in general, I think, like, the top teams can probably, like, I think if you took the top three, then you can probably compete. But, like, I would say, like, if you have the seventh versus seventh, then the other regions are going to be a lot better in most cases. Uh, So, like, I think that these leagues are a little bit more top-heavy in general, uh, PCS being one of them. Um, Brazil is, like, a clear step down, but they're kind of the same way, in my opinion, where, like, there's more of a clear separation in the league in terms of the talent distribution. Yeah. Um, and so like that's that's where I struggle to like compare them like league over league. But I, I'd say like definitely the top teams can compete with the top. Yeah. Teams. Like like to me, so th- this to me this was the differentiating factor. Like the PCS I thought was deeper. Like I thought I mean obviously the the bottom teams in any league are going to be pretty bad most of the time, or they're at least going to look bad. But like the PCS is deep. Like <laughs> I, I don't think this is like it should be. I mean we used to treat it as a major league. And, like, not because of, like, the size of the league itself or anything like that or, like, the player base in particular. But you keep in mind, like, the PCS pulls from, you know, they pull from the LPL servers a lot of the time. Like, most of these players play on the major Chinese servers. They're not playing on, on you know, Taiwan having their own thing, right? Like, most of these guys, the best practice they can get is playing against the best of the best in, you know, what, a 1.5 billion population, you know, player base or whatever? Like, I mean, uh, like, area, not player base, like, you know, population. Like, to me, like, I I mean, I, all the way, I would say down to, like, fifth and sixth, the teams were pretty good. The top three were very good. The top top two were very, very I, I think the top two teams, I think Beyond and Talon would legitimately have a chance at winning the, the LCS and, and probably the LEC, too. Like, I don't think that's that crazy to say. But maybe people think I'm out of touch on that. I don't know. No, yeah, I think I mean I, I get. I, I think the top teams can compete for sure. I, oh, yeah. I'm not sure I g- agree with the depth okay. thing, but um, it's a little bit tougher to compare like those things too. So, like, I get, the reason I was asking this is because, like, I, I mean, there's obviously like w- when you're listening to to any kind of content or media from Western sources, whether it's like the dive or you know, any of these, these podcasts or shows that people host, there's a very clear bias. And I mean, we can maybe talk about this a little bit too, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to cloud nine, but like you don't, you just don't hear about this league because it's not covered in as much detail. So like, I hope if, if nothing else that this brings some attention to the PCS, cause it's a good league to watch. Like I legitimately think it's 
kind of better than the LCS. It's better than the LCS, but you know, maybe the product itself, in terms of like the production and everything, isn't quite up there because it's you know not aimed at a Western audience. So, um, I guess we'll go. Well, let's work bottom up. I guess I kind of went out of order because I was started talking about talent. I was pretty excited for them, but uh, Pensionet.gg. I gotta say, man, like. It's just fun seeing a team carry it that way, isn't it? Like, they knew who they were. They played super loose. They didn't... You see so many times these teams go in and... Like, I guess you could hate on the fact that they were, like, clowning around. Like, I guess you could say some of that. But I didn't look at it that way. I thought it was just, like, they knew who they were. They knew what they were up against. And they just did what they thought was the best option to win. It wasn't like that team wasn't trying to win. They were severely outclassed in this tournament and managed to get a game. So, yeah, I think they were a lot of fun to watch. I agree with you that they, I think they did the smart thing in trying to do some weird stuff. I think it gave them a better shot than they would have had trying to do something more traditional. Uh, I like that. I mean, I think in these situations, we usually don't see the teams getting like super depressed or whatever. Usually they, they handle it somewhat like Talon did. So I, I, someone like uh, Pentanet did. So, I think I think they handled it well and they had fun with it. They were making a lot of memes, and I'm sure they would have loved if they could have somehow found a way to get into the top four and and made it to the playoff stage. That would have yeah. been, you know, monumentous for them. But I think they did what they could and they had some fun doing it. Thoughts on Pentanet? Raise your koalas. Raise the koalas. I mean, uh, they did me proud by beating C9, but um, it's a it's a little bit different, right? Uh, like you all mentioned, they played it loose. They know who they were. They tried weird things. Uh, C9 tried weird things, but you can tell that they played very, very stressed out. Very, um, yeah, you could definitely not, tell. It's not loose. It's um, almost like they're they know that an audience is like going to meme them, or they they're playing for something. So to see a team that knows who they are, have fun, win or lose, um, it's just and and hey, some of the games were actually um, you know. We, I was rooting for them to win it, but you know, at the end of the day, you know that uh, talent-wise, they're not gonna overcome these these uh, juggernauts. They, uh, t- I mean, I you see this in traditional sports all the time, man. A team, a team with nothing to lose can be really dangerous. <laughs> like, they, you never know. And uh, I, the, I think the funny thing is in that Cloud Nine win, it was just the most stock standard comp that they played in the whole tournament. So, like, that was what they were doing domestically. So, I don't know. <laughs> maybe they uh, knew they could compete on a talent level with one of these teams. Hmm, maybe. Wait, where does <laughs> LCS import from? So, I guess we'll just go to Cloud9 uh, on that note. Um, okay, I, I'm just going to jump in. Yeah, go, no, go, ahead. Are, go ahead. I'm already about to vomit at this podcast and everything. <laughs> okay, let, let's get this out of the way. Cloud9... Could have very easily won the Rumble. Like, there were at least four Absolutely. games that they, sh- you could say, at the very least, you would have live bet them at their odds that they had in, yeah. in the game live. At the very least, to win on the money line. At the very minimum, you can look at their games and say they played a high quality of game in every game except the stupid Pentanet loss yep. and uh, I think one of the PSG losses. Which is hilarious. 
Like they played better against Damwon and RG than against Pentanet. They played their what worst game the f- at the worst time. That was it. Yeah. That's all it was. This is, by the way, this is exactly what happened to Liquid at Worlds in 2019. They just they played a great tournament. They had a really tough group, and they just happened to play their worst game when it mattered most. And I, Liquid's case, it wasn't against like a truly like I think this was a bigger upset than that was. I forget who yeah. they played against, but like. Was it like Flash Wolves? It was something like like it was it was a team that like they could have lost to like it was reasonable too. So, uh, for all intents and purposes, like they played they played a really good tournament. Glad I'm great in this tournament. I thought they over exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I mean, I would I didn't like, have low expectations for them either. I thought they no. Be I just think it was hilarious because like you just you saw I don't know. To me, I love seeing these moments because like. Obviously, like, yeah, I caught the raw end of, of a lot, a lot of the the bets. So, like, yeah, I had, him, I think I got him like plus eight hundred against Damn One, and then they lost like a fight at Elder to lose a game. And I'm like, He's... okay, you know, like, okay, like I lost money there, but like, really, they're losing an Elder fight to lose a game in a plus eight hundred spot. I don't know. So, anyways, uh, point being, I think I come away with this being pretty impressed with them overall. Um, but you know, they definitely need to find some ways to finish. But I don't know about about you guys, but I honestly thought that their weakest player at this tournament was Perks. I thought so. so. Yeah, thought him and Blabber were the were the two weakest Dude, spots of the team. Yeah, right? I'll Which say is hilarious, this. Right? I'll say this, man, because and I was going to throw this to John with this question. Like, my concern with this team coming into this tournament was can Perks and Blabber hard carry this team enough? And the outer lanes were so good in this tournament, and it was the other way around. Like Sven and Fudge were, or not Sven, uh, um, um, Vulcan and Fudge, I think were ridiculous in this tournament. I thought Blabber did a pretty good job. You're right. I think Perks was weirdly the worst play. I mean, obviously, like Perks it's threw. just one tournament, but like he threw. Yeah. Perks, Perks was the reason they lost several of those games. There was one, for example, that I he, uh, I think Ryan pointed it out on Twitter, like uh, Captain Morgan. Yeah. Um, he pointed out that like Perks TP'd late to a Soul Dragon uh, Soul Point fight, and then they lost the fight. Um, there was another one where I think he was on Silas, and the whole team is as four on the bottom half of the Drake pit, and he's just by mid lane in the bush. Yeah. And I'm like, how did you get here? And I think it comes down to honestly what we talked about previously, Vince, about the side lane pressure because, and I think he got scarred by the RNG loss because he started doing it even more. Yeah. But he he. Like, it really feels like Perks has this, like, need for, like, the, the map to be in a perfect state before he goes to a team fight. He's like, no, we need to push. I need to push this wave, like, two more times before I can come. And, he's, and like, if he mistimes it, then they're just kind of screwed. It's weird because so he's normally yeah. not like that. Yeah, he but it was in this tournament. He was doing. Yeah, yeah, it was know. weird. Because normally he's not that guy. Like... The yeah. one thing I like about Caps does this too, by the way, and like th- there's a handful of mid laners that are like this. There's, I, I, there's a time and a place where, and it's hard to tell a lot of times where, mm-hmm. th- yes, the correct thing to do, ninety five plus percent of the time, is to actually go comb that side wave, turn it in your favor, so that you can get the most off of a one fight. There's certain times though where it's like the other team's trigger pull is too strong. And your disengage is not. You just have to be there. Like, and that's it, kind it, of the meta right now. Yeah, unless you're getting, unless you're getting to a key item. Like, if you're going to, if that wave of farm is getting you to a key item breakpoint, like it's finishing a death cap or zonias or something like that. Okay, 
Like, I don't actually think it's wrong in that case. I mean, you could make the argument that, like, they should have more gold going into that. But yeah, he, those he did get caught a lot in in this tournament yeah, doing stuff it was like just that. It was situations where, like, he's legitimately shoving and TPing as soon as he shoves it. So it's like, did we really need to move the wave one more up? Agreed. And Or, or did we really need to kill all the casters? Could we have just killed the melees? You know, things like that, right? Like... And it, it ended up costing them a lot of times. I thought he was his, – his Oriana plays were really pretty poor, honestly. Um, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. And I think it did end up coming back to bite him. But if you would have asked anyone before the tournament who, what their hope is, you would have said, like we all said, Blabber and Perks. And, and Perks was, I thought, pretty clearly to me at least their worst player I, and definitely relative to expectations. I don't think he was he was even bad necessarily. It was just that, like, I, I thought Fudge and, and Vulcan were so good in this tournament. Like, I'll, I'm going to ask you, John, like – I don't want to. I don't want to start this kind of like. Oh, do you think it's because he's in NA? You think he's not getting tested domestically? Any of it? Like, I don't want to start that conversation necessarily. But like, did you think the same thing in general? Like, yeah, I thought Perks was your solo queue teammate. That's like split pushing the side wave, and you're you're like the dragon's about to come up, and uh, like the enemy team like Flash Leona engages on you, and you die, and he's like shouldn't fight without me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's how, that's how, if you're like, why are you not in the team fight? He's like, just don't fight when I'm not there. After the enemy team, like, flash Hecarim ults you over a wall and forces a fight. Go fight if I'm not there, idiot. But, no, I didn't think he was – I thought Perks was their worst player relative to expectations. I thought he was the second worst relative to expectations. I thought Fudge played above expectations. Fudge was way I was not. I was not super man. impressed with Sven, to be honest with you. I thought Vulcan played. It was Vulcan. 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 Hard. Ca- Honestly, I think Vulcan is has been one of the best players in the whole tournament, which I never in a million years thought I'd say. But here we are. Sven was like yeah. the definition of of ex- at expectation. <laughs> like, well, they won a lot of two v twos, man. Like, it, it, that's a that's that's a team effort. That's not just one person. Like, yeah, the bot lane did well as a, as a unit. The bot lane did well, but I, I don't think that Pod Nine deserves to be in the top four. I thought the other teams played better than I them. I think they they just ways. made mistakes when it mattered. Like Cloud Nine played a very good tournament. It's just when you get to this level, those little mistakes kill you, and they made little mistakes. And that, like, uh, there were very few, like, severe, just terrible mistakes. Like, if they're playing that, like, it, there were games that they played in this tournament that they don't they don't lose domestically. Like that, that they only lost because these teams are actually like really, really good. So, um, I mean, the Pentanet game was standing where they just kind of that was the worst game of the tournament. It just came at the shittiest time for them. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone backdoors in like RNG did. I don't know that anyone loses Elder and then wins game like Damn One did. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just think I, I think these. Yeah, it was crazy because. What, what, I, what I meant to say earlier is this was one of the best situations of, like, watching Professional League of Legends games and realizing how much more little stuff matters. Yeah. Because, like, it was like, yeah, if this was an LCS game, they just would have taken it and won the game, yep. you know? If this was against, you know, any of your 100 Thieves, you know, maybe not Team Liquid, maybe. Yeah. But against, you know, any of those. You leave 100, definitely leave 100, 100 Thieves out. Mm-hmm. Definitely 100 Thieves, uh, Evil Geniuses, if, if Impact is, like, on a tank that game or something. Uh, <laughs> small margins, man. Like it's but small yeah, margins it was really at good. this level. And the thing, the thing, I, I guess the real takeaway, I think we should we should bring up, not specifically regarding NA, but it just happens to pertain to NA a lot. Is just in general, like at this level, you need to look at the whole body of work, not not the final result, right? Cloud Nine played really, really well in this tournament. I 
did think that they were the fifth best team in this Rumble stage. So, like, I, I didn't think they deserved to get out, but you could also make the argument that, <laughs> I mean, there's two games that they could have won, but that, I just, that just, I just goes struggle. to show you, like, they it shows you that they can hang, which I think is the important thing to take away. If you're an NA fan, it shows you that Cloud9 can hang with the big boys. Like, that That's that should be your takeaway. Everyone is shitting on this team. Everyone say, oh, man, all the memes are flying and everything. They lost really, really close games, period, besides the Pentanet one, right? Like, and the Mad Lions. Yeah, I mean, that. For, yeah, the first game was a fucking blowout, but, you know, like, that's what Mad Lions does to people, so. that. But they can hang with these teams, and I think that's the takeaway. I, they did way better than, like, the result was maybe roughly what I thought they'd end up doing in this stage, maybe a little below. The actual play was way above what I thought they were going to do, way above. So I think you should be taking this as a positive as a Cloud9 and an NA fan, just in general. So, um, uh, where are we at next? Uh, Mad Lions. Little feast or famine, right? <laughs> I was going to say, I thought they were the most variant team yeah. in, the, in the Rumble stage as far as their performances went. Yeah. A lot more ups and downs, which is good to see, but... but uh, Kind of what we expected. Yeah. They're, they're just I mean, kind I of think, that team. Yeah, I think El Yoya... Has been really, really, really good. Armut's um, been. Armut's been. Uh, do you think he's been good? I, I think he had like two bad games, but he's he was ridiculously good in the other ones. Like the I think it was the second RNG game. He kind of got dicked down a little bit, and then the I think he was against. I think the, the second game against Khan too. If I'm right, Fudge bodied him too, but maybe that was what it was. It was it was one of those. Yeah, like. Yeah, but he also this. He's, I, I was talking about beast, in the Discord, man. Beast. Like this, this pocket Wukong pick does so Wukong, much man. work. Sometimes I'm loving like, that Wukong, man. I'm loving that. It's so good because he's only the only time he's ever getting it is when it's good, and he's so good at it that he just slams home like every every time he gets it. That's why his record's so good on it. So like, uh, to me, if you're gonna be a player that has pocket picks like that, that's the kind of pocket pick you want. You want, like, a Tier 1.5, Tier 2 champion. Like, a champion that's still fundamentally good, right? That, so, like, not Riven or... <clears throat> yeah, that has certain spots that, like, not, like, super niche spots. Like, there's actually a decent chunk of games where it's good, right? Like, Wuk- Wukong is a, is a niche champion that is good against the meta champions, right? Uh, like, you, Urgot pops up sometimes with this kind of spot, like, this kind of situation, too, right? Wukong, really good against Gnar if you know how to play the matchup, right? Really good against stuff like Gangplank if you know how to play the matchup, right? So it's it's one of these pocket picks that just does so much work in the spots that he gets it because it's a good pocket pick to have, right? Dra- I actually think Draven is another one of these picks where, like, it's actually good a lot of the time. And I, I know, much to your guys' chagrin, I think Callista is kind of in this spot, too, where, like, if you know what you're doing on it and it's against certain spots, it's ridiculous. It feels like the most broken thing in the game. But, like, those are the kind of niche pocket picks you want, right? Like, you could talk about, like, Heimerdinger and all these all these low-tier champions, like, champions that are pretty good, and then just it's amplified up to, like, tier zero in certain spots. Like, that's the kind of pocket picks you want. So... I, I love seeing that. Mad Lions, yeah, like, the ceiling is there. Like, when they're when they're on, they are ridiculously good. They're one of the best teams in the world, maybe. But they also just do it. They do a lot of really dumb shit 
that they bail themselves out of because they're good. And, like, I think that's the biggest difference between them and, like, I, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say the Eastern teams in this tournament. Like, we're going to get to Damwon a little bit because they've been doing a lot of just boneheaded shit too. But in general, like, it's kind of their greatest weapon and their greatest weakness at the same time, right? Which is why I think we said they were kind of going to be, a vol- like, a highly volatile team. And uh, I just think against, like, the elite elite, you're going to have a hard time bailing yourself out of those shitty situations if you get themselves get yourself into them consistently and that's that's my only real concern with this team if they can fix that they're going to win Europe again right like i mean i mean you know they'll they'll be one of the top 2 right if they're not you know they are already but uh any other thoughts on madlines we're going to touch more on them in a little bit because we're going to be talking best of fives. Chris, what do you think of Madlines? Yeah, I think that last point is something that I wanted to reiterate. The bigger picture is that Madlines look good for um, and they're going to be strong again. We were, I, or at least I'll tell, say to myself, I wasn't sure if they were the right EU representative between all the other top teams that we had to choose from, G2, Rogue. But that, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> just, John is just I, the derailing machine, dude. I can't do this. But uh, fact of the matter is, Mad Lions are playing a EU style that I really enjoy, and they they were able to win some of the games so, uh, that I thought this is how they pulled it off against Rogue, um, who played a sound game. Right, Rogue is a very sound team, plays the meta um, or the map very well, the macro, sorry, the macro well, and that's kind of what gives Mad Lion a chance against these top two teams. But uh, we'll see. I think what's interesting about Mad Lions, and it's kind of unique to them, is that there's games, like, they feel like Invictus a lot. So, like, they feel like Invictus, but, like, (laughs) they also just have pretty good macro, like, after the first, like, 15 minutes of the game. Like, I'm telling you, if they can fix the first 15 minutes of the game, they're they're a world's cont- like they're good. They're legitimately good. Like I think they can beat these Eastern teams. Like that's the only that's quite literally the only caveat I have with this whole team is if they can fix the they have these weird like I don't know what the thought process is a lot of times with like the decisions they make and the like a lot of times it's just in their opening clear. Like, they'll decide to start in a weird spot. The bot lane will take it all in when they absolutely don't have to. They just need to wait 30 seconds. Like, I don't know if they're just constantly trying to next level every situation or if they actually just don't understand what they're doing. Like, maybe it's half and half. I don't know. But I think if they can clean that kind of stuff up, this team's ridiculously good because their they're late game team fighting and macro is very solid. So, yeah. I... Mad or a live dog. They're always a live dog. Super talented. Um, Royal never give up. Uh, I think I think Damwon and RNG kind of didn't look like it at first, but the, the cream did rise to the top, right? Like these two were were, I think, a cut better than everyone else. Maybe not like super drastically, but I, I think they were like in their own tier. Yeah, I would say they were the two best teams pretty clearly. Yeah. Um, I would. I guess I would say that I think RNG was clearly the best team. I think it, but I think it was like not, you know, it wasn't tier above. But I think if I was deciding who was the best team, I think it was pretty clear for me that RNG was the best team, yeah. especially beating Damwon twice. I mean, yeah, that RNG makes, was better. Makes a statement so in of itself. Yeah, like they they've just played better. They've been a lot a lot cleaner in general. Uh, even <laughs> what's weird is 
they kind of are doing like the Talon thing too. Like they were not like this domestically. Like yeah, like the the weird split push shenanigans and the the pulling people around the map was very on brand for them. But they weren't. Maybe it was just the difference in class, just amplified here. But like domestically, they were not a blow you out early team. Like that's not how they played at all. And here, it might just be a step down in class for them. They're just dumpstering everyone because they're better than everyone and styling. But like. Yeah, RNG, RNG have been the best team in this tournament. Yeah, Barrel has has been a real liability uh, yeah. for Damwon, I think, in this tournament in particular. He's not had a good showing. I don't think Ghost has had a very good showing either. Yeah. Um, I actually think this Khan, this was a great tournament for Khan, in my opinion. I think Khan has had a fantastic tournament. The, I've always been kind of a Khan hater when we've been discussing this team, and I think Khan's been very, very good this tournament. So he's stepped up for me in my yeah. eyes. But, yeah, I think the bot lane's hurting a little bit for them at the moment. They're probably going to need to improve a little bit if they want to win. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck Barrel's doing, like, 90% of the time anymore. Like Barrel <laughs> scored, like, 1.3 fantasy dude, points in, like, a 40-minute long 20-2 to two victory or something. Dude, shit like I that. don't know, like... <laughs> I don't know if he just has zero respect for the people he's playing against, because it sure as hell looks that way, right? Like, he's always been... I don't want to say like Hill is saying, but he's he's definitely a playmaker. Like he will go for like he's a catalyst, right? He's always been the catalyst for this team. Like since he's been the starter, he's always been, like he never got all the accolades until last year. But he's always been like the main catalyst for this team. As good as Canyon is, Barrel's the actual like go like he's the go get shit done piece. And sometimes he looks bad when he does that. But I mean, you saw this with Lumao this year too, right? Like. These sometimes these supports they just get in ruts where like they do stuff that used to work for them and it doesn't and they keep trying to square peg round hole it and it's like why isn't this working anymore like I, I like I saw I saw a decent a decent case to be made that like there it's just a difference in style like they're he's not used to having people challenge him but like i think that's that's really only the case for like the bottom six teams in the lck like the top teams all have supports that'll contest you on shit like the, if you do something dumb like he's been doing at this tournament like you're gonna get shit on no matter where you are right so i don't know how much that that argument holds up but like it it doesn't it just seem like he's playing solo queue because <laughs> that's what it looks like a lot of the time so the problem <clears throat> i'm gonna derail us again yeah go ahead per usual but the problem is that he hasn't been to the John George School of Nautilus yet. <laughs> I think I no honest, and and honestly, I don't know about you guys, but like when I played Nautilus, I, I I never played support, but like when I played Nautilus last year, I like from like level two felt like I was just unkillable the whole game. But now when I play him, I like don't feel that way anymore. So I don't know if he got nerfed or if like AD damage just went up or what. But like sometimes it felt like when he was like because a lot of times it was like the level two trades in lane that he was just taking bad trades like he'd try and go in and just like get like 80 percented and then they're kind of lane phase they, they just lose all pressure so part of it one is like he hasn't been in the john george school of nautilus but two is like it felt like he just didn't know the trading patterns almost yeah. which is like doesn't make any sense because like these have to be what they're playing in scrims right mm-hmm. so like i don't know it was really odd to me uh, but that's what it looked like to me. It was legitimately like he was just walking up, like, "Hey, we hard win this," and then he'd yeah, be, like, and he running away. Kept... It's like, what and I was fuck? like, "Yeah," because it wasn't like he was doing anything. Like he he wasn't like missing his hooks and stuns or anything. It was just like he was just going in and getting chunked. And I was yeah. like, 
does he not know all this interact? Like, I don't. It, I don't know how you guys. That, that's how I, I was, was just like. He's he's had a terrible oh. tournament. He, I mean, there, yeah. I mean, besides what's his name on um, besides decoy like, which is obviously just a step down. Like, if we want to talk about like the the true world class supports in this tournament, he's been the worst one. I don't think it's close, right? Yeah. Like, I every other support at this tournament besides decoy <clears throat> has way outperformed him. And so here, here's what's interesting about this. And I guess we can kind of segue this into the matches a little bit, unless you guys have more thoughts on it. But like, I mean, we're going to talk about the top four teams again, essentially. Like I was just going to say uh, one, one thing before we get into it mm-hmm. is uh, I, everyone kind of is going to have to erase, in, in my opinion, is going to have to erase to an extent, not, not all the way, but like what they've seen uh, against these teams. Cause best of series get like a lot more different than, yeah. than best of ones. Yeah. Uh, then, then the single games, and especially when you're playing two ones in a, in a single day, uh, the, the the preparation that's going to go in for these teams in creating a, a, a holistic strategy to going into the series, um, you know, we had some time off from that. We went through a bunch of best and ones. It's just like regular season before playoffs. We kind of like shift our mindset, so that, you know, people are going to probably want to reference results from the rumble stage and and from the group stage and in probably the uh, the Mad Lions PSG uh, case. Um, if they were to face each other, but like try to avoid doing that too much. Try to avoid putting too much weight on it. Obviously, yeah. it should play a part, but don't 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 put too awful much into it because yeah. it can get you into hairy water. I, I think unless you see a specific thing that is like repeatable that's happening that you don't think can be fixed by the other team in a situation like that, you can't. I I put very very. I basically use it as like a tiebreaker. Like I put very little weight on that kind of thing just because like. Yeah, a best of five is better. Like, you can feel it. A lot of times, too, like, it's not with every team, but with a lot of teams. We see this in the LCS all the time. Most teams don't prepare for the team they're playing against. They just prepare a generic strategy for that weekend, and that's what they're on that weekend, right? You see it in the, in the, in the LEC, too. Same thing. Some teams are more willing to play their opponent. Usually it's like these, these feisty mid-table teams that, you know, that's their edge is that they, they are willing to be like, okay, we're going to craft a game plan around beating, you know, 100 Thieves or, or you know, Fnatic or what have you, right? You see a lot of times, but, like, most of the time, most of the LCS teams, it's just the most time-efficient thing to generically prepare the best strategy, right? And the best of five, that changes. And that's why you see teams that are good in playoffs and teams that are bad in playoffs, right? So, um, definitely worth considering here. Um I guess we'll touch. We'll go right into Friday here. Um, RNG are minus six sixty seven against Paris Saint Germain Talon plus four sixty six. Uh, we'll say RNG minus one point five is at minus two seventy. Paris Saint Germain to take a game is at minus two hundred eight. So implied odds on this, uh, you know, vig out is seventy two and a half percent for RNG. Uh, you know, I I went through and did it basically. Yeah, that's the map odds, implied odds. The actual implied odds for the game are it's you know eighty six point eight percent. Are RNG eighty you know eighty seven percent to win this? Is this an eighty seven thirteen series? That seems a little heavy, but it's it's got to be not too far off yeah. that, doesn't it? Like eighty so, twenty. So here's in here's the interesting thing about both of these because the lines are very similar, and I think the situations are actually kind of similar too. Is there's no value in betting the favorite money lines in this in this situation. Um, they are 
you know, there's, there's there's not even really a small edge on like the map price versus the full series price kind of situation. Sometimes you do see that, but generally speaking, you know, this this it's really hard to want to back a favorite in this spot because like it, it's it's hard in a situation where you have such a small sample to actually say that any team is ninety percent unless it's like a severe downgrading class, right? That's that's the the issue with backing specifically the favorite series money line in these spots, unless you're just gonna go ahead and eat and eat the vig on it, like make you know make a a, a minus EV bet just because you're positive of it. Which you know, there's a case for that too. Like, do so. Yeah, it might be a situation where it's you know eighty seven thirteen, and it's value. But how often do you actually see Talon winning this series? Like. I I am probably going to, so I'm probably going to be on Talon here. It, like if I didn't have futures positions already, I would probably just play, be placing a small bet on Talon in this spot. Like Talon plus one point, Talos you know across the board, right? Plus two point five minus plus one point five series minus one minus two and a half, right? So that's probably what I would be doing here because I, I do think they're live to win this. Like they're in good form right now. They're confident. Uh, you know, RNG has shown some hiccups. They've had to bail themselves out of some weird situations too. I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's more likely than these odds. So, like, I, I'm honestly, I'm just going to spoil. I'm going to say the same thing about the next series. So it's like kind of a double close your nose special, like close your eyes special on this one. I'm not sure I like it as much in this series. I think yeah. four point six to one on Talons maybe not good enough for me. Um, I could see that. I think this series is more likely to be a sweep. So there's also like two very comparable bets for me when you look at the minus uh, of the over three and a halfs. Yeah. Both this series and the next series have very similar over three and a halfs. And they were the first thing that I like looked at as possible bets. And I feel like I'm just going to end up fading this entire series because I just think the other series has the same bets, but with better odds or more likelihood of success. Yeah. So the other thing I'll say this too, we've, we've never really had this discussion. I figure this is like kind of as good a time as any. I just wanted to illustrate to people that don't know that you can do some pretty basic math and figure this stuff out. I'm just like, if you guys look over on the sheet here, right? I priced out what the based, based on the map price, what the series, like, you know, projecting, you know, how many, like how often this turns out in what series score and you see how much VIG you're paying on the over three and a half maps. The reason I almost never bet map totals is because there's just so much VIG on both of them that they're just terrible bets to make most of the time. The exception being, if the, there are cases where if you if you are just that positive about it, that you'll just eat the VIG on it, right? But like, based on the map price, the over three and a half should be like a minus one fifty bet, minus one forty nine. You know, with no VIG, you, add, you know, tack a little bit on it should be like minus 160, right? You have to pay minus 200 on it. And that's based on, like, that is not my projections or anything. That is just extrapolating from the map money line that the book gives you. So if you're going to bet the map totals, you need to be absolutely sure because you're paying, you're paying a ridiculous amount of VIG. You're almost always better off taking the underdog plus, you know, 2.5 maps or whatever it is. It doesn't look as pretty, but you're almost always better off because you're paying, you know, whatever it happens to be. It's like, you know, 4.5% or 5% versus, 
you know, the seven and a half percent rake you're paying or eight and a half percent rake you're paying on, on the map total bets. So they're kind of, I don't want to say they're like sucker bets, but they're high vig and you need to have a very strong conviction that it's going to go a certain way. And that's why like, I'll, you'll never see me taking these things, but I think if you have a reasonable case for it, then I think you can, you can say that, right? Like, so you, you, you said you're liking the over three and a half maps in this spot. Like, on the first game, I'm just not going to bet anything because the second game's over three and a half maps is just a better bet than this game's over three and a half maps. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Josh, Chris, any thoughts on this one? Like, it's hard, right? Like, I actually think that's... Yeah, I, the series prices are confusing me because uh, uh, just comparatively, yeah. I know we're not there yet, but like... It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Cause what I was hoping is to be able to bet the plus two and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, for example, RNG is a smaller money line favorite than Damwon, but PSG's plus two and a half has worse odds than yeah. Mad's plus two and a half. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's like John said. I don't see how I would – I mean, I know we always do the why not both meme in here, but, like, I, I, I it, it's hard for me to justify betting on PSG when I can just get such a better price relative to even just, – just based on, again – if I have no nameplates and I'm just looking at the odds I'm presented with as fact, mm-hmm. then I'm just getting way better odds on the second game. Uh, so it just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I think um, just, just for some context, like you know, book you know the book power ratings. This is you know priced like the book power ratings. Like this is not you know crazy. This isn't like the market's moved on this. This is how the books have been pricing these teams consistently throughout the tournament, and they just extrapolated it to a series price. So like the book still thinks Damwon's a favorite to win this thing. I think no, yeah, but but like it doesn't make sense that Damwon's a bigger money line favorite, but a lower, but like they're not worse at the minus two and a half, like or the the they plus think two they, and a half. They're basically saying RNG is more likely to drop a game. That's yeah, that's, which you is know, if you th- if you think yeah. that's not the case, then yeah, that's an actionable angle for sure. Like so, um, Chris, yeah, yeah. like I, honestly. <laughs> I haven't I haven't taken the deep dive into the mat, like the kill totals and all that stuff yet. The time totals seem seem very nice to me. Like time total overs, I don't think it's going to be like the best of ones. I think these teams are going to have much better game plans moving in, which could lead to more unders. But this tournament, the game times have been extraordinarily low. Like even in the rumble stage, if you if you take the rumble stage and exclude the pentanet games, it's still like was twenty eight and a half minutes or something like that. Even if you exclude the pentanet games. So extremely low game times. There's been like what four games that went over over 32 minutes in this in the Rumble stage. So yeah, it's been very fast. So I I mean that said though, like higher stakes here. Um, I would lean toward that. I'm also probably going to lean to. I mean, I guess we'll we'll just read the damn one mad line in a second. Like any any prop interests in RNG Talon before we move on to damn one mad. I think under time totals are interesting at that thirty number. Yeah, the, the under time total is 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 even money pretty much anywhere you look. So, you know, if 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 you want to go based on what we've seen in the tournament so far, yeah, that's like a slam dunk. But you know, I kind of think these are going to be closer, especially with, I don't know, especially this game. I think more so than even the other one is both these teams are willing to scrap early. Yes, and we've seen that that in this meta that can just snowball real hard if. Literally, if you do what Cloud9 did against Mad and, and two two of your people die at a crab or something instead of trading one back, you know, then the game's just over. Mm-hmm. And especially with how 
both of these teams have shown they're willing to, to, to play to those advantages so far in this tournament. I think that that under 30 is interesting to me for sure. Yeah. 27 and a half seems a little, it, the other thing is like, do we think that keeps up or do we think they have, you know, more tuned plans for this stage of the game? Like, I, I very it would not surprise me at all to see Talon revert back to what they looked like domestically in this series, and they were just kind of I don't know. It's in, it's interesting to think about. Like I haven't done like a crazy super deep dive on on the derivative markets for this stuff yet. I'm just kind of looking at sides. So check out the esports department for that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, Saturday we've got Dam One minus seven sixty nine minus one point five is at minus two ninety four against Mad Lions plus five seventeen the plus one point five is at plus two eleven Mad Lions to take a game is at minus one seventy five. Uh, this this um, series had a lot more variance in price across different books. Um, it wasn't too crazy different, but this one had a lot more different. You know, this one had a lot more of a range of, of, of different prices than the RNG PSG series. So, um, obviously, shop around if that's an option for you. Yeah. Uh, what's weird about this is, like, Damwon are such a ridiculously hard team, I think, to, like, game plan for. But they've also been playing, relative to them, just terribly in this tournament. So... And then you also have the volatility of Mad Lions just having these ridiculously high ceiling games where they just blow anybody out. They don't care who it is. So I think if you're looking for, like, a live doll, like, this is such a weird series, right? Like, I think Mad Lions are, like, the feistier underdog. But it's mostly because I think, like, the combination of Damwon playing terribly right now and their ceiling performances makes that so. I think if that wasn't the case, I think the other series, I think Talon's the more likely underdog. But just given the current form, you know, I think this is the better, you know, dart to fire if you need to pick one. I, I think both are reasonable. Yeah, I like this one quite a bit more. I, yeah. I could see Mad Lions winning this series with how Dan Wan's been playing and how they've been playing. I could see Mad Lions winning. Uh, Five seventeen feels like a pretty good number, and I'd be pretty, I'd be, I'd be surprised if Dan Wan wins three zero. So the the over three and a half in this series. I, I kind of quite like, yeah. even though it, I mean it's you're not getting a great deal from the book as you mentioned. Yeah. But Th- this uh, one's not as bad as the other one. Like this one, I feel like you're one... going four or five games in this series uh, a lot of the time. So I think that's really I'm going to put a very small amount on Mad Lions. I'm going to put a bet on the over three and a half maps. Yeah, and then I think I'm probably just going to sit back. I, I, I'm really not the biggest fan of these two matchups and the odds they've got on here. I think the most interesting spot in this one is the kill total twenty three and a half. So. Damwon win super low kill games. Like, the vast majority of their games, like, uh, domestically, it was like, you know, it was like, I forget what it was off the top of my head, it was like 75 plus percent of their games domestically were like under 21. So, uh, in their wins. So, the thing with this, what makes this interesting is that Mad Lions are not a low kill team whatsoever, right? Um... So if you think this is going to be a competitive series, I think the kill total over is where you want to be. But it, it a lot of that depends on how competitive a series you think this is. If you think this is a damn one 3-1, that's suddenly not a good bet because there's a reasonable chance you go 2-2. Two and two. But if you think Mad Lions have like a very like a probably better odds than this shot of winning this series 
And you think Dan, if you think Matt are likely to get two games, I like the kill total overs because I think one of the games will split. Like one of the games could go over in either you know a win or a loss for either team. So, I think the kill total overs are reasonable because Damwon does win very low kill games, but Mad Lions is not the kind of team exactly. that rolls over and dies even in losses. I think they'll force some action against Damwon if they're mm-hmm. losing, and I think the kill total overs make a lot of sense at twenty three and a half. Yeah, uh, Josh, anything that's uh, piquing your interest here? Yeah, this was I, I foreshadowed this. So, Mad went zero and two against Damwon in the Rumble. Uh, that's what I was saying when I was like, we kind of got to flush these things. Um, cause I do, th- I do think Mads, uh, is a good bet at these numbers. Yeah. I will point out on the kill total overs though. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know how much about that. Cause like I've seen both of these teams play a turtle style. Like I know in general, we think of Mad Lions as a high volatility team, but damn one did beat them nine to four in 31 and a half minutes yeah. earlier in the rumble stage. That, and, like, and that's it's the not thing the with end all be all, but... That's the thing with damn one is like when they win the vast majority of them, no matter who it's against, they just grind yeah. you to a pulp. They can it. just check, choke you out. Right. Yeah. And, and, and mad, you know, I think they do in general want to be fighting. Um, but obviously in that game, like they had a Tristana Udi or like they had a go forward type comp and they still, you know, only gave up nine kills in, in 31 and a half minutes. So, I would just say don't don't get too carried away on on, on that stuff because um, a lot of that can be like composition driven too. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I I think that this is definitely a mad bet um, in some sh- way, shape, or form. I think the over three and a half is decent. I think the mad plus two and a half is really really looking good. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, like the the way these prices shake out, it's like you you. You basically have to take the underdog or nothing. Like if you're going to take sides in this in these series, like it's it's dog or nothing. Otherwise, you're just you know you're you're taking you're you're pay, you're making minus EV wagers. I'll just go ahead and say, and that's just based on book price. If you want to, if you have any kind of system or numbers of your own, and you make this more than that, like it's pretty easy to just do the math on the probabilities for the series outcome from that point here's, forward. So here's a question for you, Vince and mm-hmm. John. Vince, you kind of alluded to it, but like, you know, if you know a bet's minus EV, what's your cutoff? So like, I think you said that the series price for RNG was implied at 87%. Is that what you said? Yeah, 86.84 based on the map odds. Yeah. Okay. So say you make it 80%. Like, I guess, you know, like, and there's no hard and fast rule with any of this Mm -hmm. stuff, but like, can't it still be worth betting? You were alluding to this, but like, do you have any sort of idea in your head of like, kind of what that gap has to be for you to be like, hell no, I'm never going to touch it. Because, like, obviously 86% versus 80%, you're not even talking about a relative to one another. It's not even a 10% change. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you know, how much does it really matter? For, for me, um, best of fives are, like, one of the situations where I will actually, like, eat some juice on stuff. Because if if I just don't see a team losing a best of five, like I could know the number is expensive and I could be paying a premium for it and you know sometimes it's still worth it. Other times I just make the number stronger, right? This for this purpose I didn't actually pull any of my stuff. This was just basically extrapolating the book map odds into a series. So this is just yeah. this is just an expansion of that. But if like in that kind of situation, like my numbers might spit it out as 80% and if I'm if I look at things and I'm like you know, there's a strategic edge on, on the favorite side here, and it's a dramatic one that I don't think the underdog has a solution for. Then that's the kind of situation where it's it's more art than science, right? And 
I do think it's dangerous to get caught up in those too often, but there are still spots where that's the case, right? Like, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, I don't. I don't bet past minus three fifty. Yeah. See, like I sport ever. Yeah. Like I have no. I have no issue doing that if I if it's just a soft number to me, but. Very rarely will I actually be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to eat the, you know, whatever the 8% difference is to lay 700. Like, I'm not going to do that most of the time. Like, unless I have a damn good reason to, which is almost never, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, that's why I say, like, in these spots, like, the way the juice is distributed, like, if you just take if, – if you take these, these implied odds and then you pull the vig off of it – most of the VIG is on the favorites because in a best of five, the favorite is going to – it's harder to beat the favorite in a best of five unless the underdog has something specific going on. So the books bake that into the price. Like if it's like a 6% hold on a series like this, like in these both of these series, it was like a 6.2% hold or whatever, right? Um, depending on where you look, it's – you know, you can get lower than that. But, you know – you know, four and a half percent of that is on the side of the favorite, and you know the rest, you know, the smaller percents on the dog because they know, all right, the favorite's more likely to win here, and people are going to want to back favorites, so they want to collect premium off that essentially. So, what ends up happening a lot of times is in situations like this, it's it's dog or nothing unless you have a damn good reason to back the favorite. So, that's what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> like it's it's lame, but it's just like look, these are two teams that could very easily win these not easily, but these teams are both live to win these series. I think this price is it's just too heavy handed. That's all. Like Yeah, I don't know. I kinda got lost in your question there, Josh. Sorry, but I hopefully I answered that cleanly. Um Yeah, I just I just don't ever bet beyond minus three fifty. And I, there's there's spots where I'm sure it's a decent bet. To be honest with you, a lot of it's just because I'm a strict one unit better. All my bets are one yeah. unit. Occasionally, I bet two or three. Betting like a minus 400 or minus 500 team with one unit is just so like non-existent. <laughs> I mean, I know it's ROI, but uh, it just it just is not attractive to me to bet something like that. If if I was one of these people that occasionally lines up and bets ten units or whatever. Maybe I'd find more use for it, but uh, yeah, I just generally, it's not very exciting and it doesn't yield very high long-term results, even if you're right. So it's just not really worth messing around with for me. I mean, that's, we could have that conversation at a different time because I think that's an interesting, you know, uh, like staking and all that. We could go into that at some point, but uh, yeah, I don't know that unfortunately these two series, it's just like, if you took the amount of time, if you took the amount of times that it's valuable, which I think is very rare, and multiplied it by what the ROI of betting it would be, it would just be such a tiny number at the end of the year betting one unit at a time that I just don't think it the would ROI it. stays the same no matter what you're. The betting. ROI stays the same, but the units do not. No, that, that's what I'm. Even talking. if you're flat, it's like it's, it's not. St- worth... It's still an ROI return. It's just a matter of you know. Yes, but you're not adding almost anything to your end of year total unit wise if you're if you're making that bet. Uh, it, it's not useful very often, and when it is, you're making. 0.15 units or something like that, which at the end of the year is going to add up to very little money and is going to add, attempt a lot of extra research and stuff for very little additional money, I think. Like I said, we could, this, this is an interesting talk for another time, I think, but it's a lot to go into for something right now. Um, yeah, yeah, I just I was just curious if, if there is ever a situation where you'd pull the trigger where you're like, hey, I know I'm eating juice, but I'm, I still think it's worth it because, like, you know, the difference in my mind between a an 86% yeah. Implied and an eighty percent is not big I'm, enough for me to not bet it. I'm trying to think of because yeah. I've had th- there have been a couple this season. 
where I've just like kind of thrown the numbers out and just been like, no, there's no, there's no way this team's losing. This maybe this like a Damwon versus Nongshim or, or, or there were there were a couple. Yeah. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I would have to like go back and do some data. Like I'm pretty sure there were a couple. Like uh, it was definitely in the LCK playoffs. Whoever, who, who's the who's the bad team that got in? I I just ate the chalk on that. Uh, it was Nongshim. It was Nongshim against Hanwha. I was like, as and Hanwha are a variance team, and they they nearly lost that series. But I was like, there's not a chance in hell like Hanwha's losing this series unless they lose to themselves, which is certainly possible. So like, I'm pretty sure I ate chalk on that one. Um, it doesn't come up very often because it's it's just bad. It's just bad betting. So like. If you're gonna do it, like it's just a pure, it's it's pure gut a lot of the time. So, um, or like I said, like if there's a situation where like there's a strategic disadvantage that I think is just impossible to overcome, like you know if this team snuck into playoffs and they only do this one thing well, and that one thing is like the thing that the other team is insanely good against, and they don't have other options, and that can't be construed in numbers. If that's a thing, that's a spot for it, but. You know, like I said, that's like where the art, you know, art meets science kind of situation. So, so hypothetically, I mean, I guess we'll just go through these. Like, I'm not going to price all of them, but like, you know, RNG versus damn one, the book's probably going to price it like it's been pricing it. Like even money and maybe one team slightly favored, probably so RNG that, slightly favored now. That one would be interesting because it, it priced both the games in the rumble stage as damn one favored. Yeah. But RNG did win both. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be interesting, interested to see if, if that matchup does occur, if they tilt it back in favor of RNG. Yeah. Um, kind of be tough to find a spot. I mean, well, it'll just depend on the price, obviously. But, like, I, I kind of hope that's the – not for my bankroll. As a League of Legends viewer, I hope that's the series we get. But uh, I kind of want Talon to upset and get in, but – I think if Mad beats Damwon, that makes for a really exciting final. Mad yeah, that could, that could be good with, too. With, with Mad coming off of a Damwon win, I think could be pretty exciting. I, I honestly think any iteration of these four teams in finals is going to be good. Like, I think it'll be an entertaining series regardless. It's going to help the storyline as we build up through summer and worlds. Like, it's going to leave an impression. So that's why I did take the Mad Lions money line as my pick of the week because uh, yeah. I want to see a chaos. Yeah. I mean,. What if we get mad talent? How wild would that be? So I was just going to say, as the bitter NA fan I am, if no one could tell, I'm not happy. Uh, <laughs> I want talent to just win it all. So then, like, that'd be hilarious because everyone would, would be like, talent. wait, what? I would the like extra spot at Worlds for the PCS would be too funny. Yeah. The PCS getting an extra world spot. Yeah, it'd be lit. They, I think they would send three, JT. right? One in play-ins and, and two JT. guaranteed. They would send yeah. it. Probably, it's probably going to be J Team. <laughs> yeah, it would be just, but yeah, I think that would be the ultimate chaos situation that I would love to see. Like, dude, imagine like Talon just come out three O RNG and then like three O Damn One or something, and everyone's just like, "Wait, what just happened? Like, <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> like, how sick would that?" I be? I mean, yo, this tournament has had some weird shit before. So here's here's my concern with this whole thing. And, like, you know, maybe this is, like, Kool-Aid or whatever, but, like, Tim would have been so bad. Do we really think that they're going to, like, 
I'm so afraid that they're just going to flip a switch and just demolish Mad Lions. Like, that's what I'm – like, I want to see a competitive series. But, like, that part for the Mad Lions worries me is that, like, damn, I've been playing, like, dog shit in this tournament still winning most of their games. So, like, if they're ever not playing badly – I say badly. Like, they're not playing badly, obviously. They're a fucking good League of Legends team. But relative to them, they're playing poorly, right? If they ever just, like, you know – normal range of outcomes for that team like all of a sudden like you know all this all this speculation is gonna look real dumb right but there is something to be said for form in a tournament like this right like sometimes you just see you see it all the time every international tournament there's always some teams that are just not on form right so i i honestly i think damlon's the weird wild card in this situation even though they're the biggest favorite because like if they keep playing like this yeah they're very live to lose this series so all right, uh, I guess we'll do pick of the week. There's kind of slim pickings this week, so uh, if – I'm trying to think. I think it's – I'm going to go with a non-league one. I was going to say, so we, can, we, can make it, we can make an exception to go over the minus 200 if you want to this week. Like, not by much, but I think just because there's, like, slim pickings here. Um let me let me uh, real quick take a peek for any other listener picks. Uh, let's see. I don't see anything else. You guys have anything lined up? Um, I'm going to take the over three and a half games. Uh, that's what I'm taking pick of the week. Yeah, over three and a half. Uh, is that the price you got or is that you just reading off there yeah no because the book price yeah. oh you got it you got it you got it okay yeah um minus 161 yeah uh <laughs> same pick then all right so the three the three listener picks I, I received were all literally the same exact pick. So I guess you all get credit. Fire it up. I guess you all get credit for the same exact pick. So uh uh no Tiam. Who is no Tiam in the Discord? Do we know Tiam? I don't know. And then my buddy Adam uh at the AMO runs the esports uh, the casual esports amateur league. If you guys want to play in a league format with your friends, I would highly suggest checking them out. It's awesome. It's a it's a lot of fun. I haven't had the time for it this split, but definitely a good time if you can get a crew together. Uh, we we'll have to throw. We have to get an esports department team together for that. That could be fun. Um, they all had uh, Mad Lions plus two point five. I don't know if that's what M Tom's picking, but like that seems like the sharpest spot on the board to me. Like, I don't know. Let me see here. That's hard to come by. <laughs> yeah, that's I think the over three and a half, like. I don't know. You're giving a 14 points for the chance that Mad three O's. So like, I I think that's probably worth it personally. Yeah. I don't think that's a very likely outcome personally, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I guess if you even think that's what like a, even if you think that's a three like that happens in three percent of the time, then yeah. it's probably not worth it to I'm pay. Just, I'm just trying to look through here and see. There's just not a lot on sides here. Like that's, yeah. I'll go ahead and say, um, I'll 
I guess we'll do we'll do time totals in med versus damn one. I like the kill totals, but I think I'm gonna you know no we'll go kill totals in med damn one. That's what I'm gonna do over twenty three and a half, and we'll grade that you know out of however many games, and then if the juice eats it, then the juice eats it. So you know so be it. So over twenty three and a half kills for me, Chris. What did you, uh, Chris? You had Mad Lions money line. Yeah, I'm taking Mad Lions money line scores. Yeah, just to simplify the A value. It's hard to come by B. I want to see chaos. I'll have to work that way. That's it's totally just going to be uh, it's going to be fun to see if it does happen. But I'm not hopeful. But I'm picking <laughs> pick of the week. Not hopeful. Am I missing something? You know what? I'm I'm changing mine. I'm going to take Paris Saint Germain Talon plus two point five. No, I'm not. I'm I'm sticking with kill spreads. Forget it. Forget I said that. Forget I said that. Mad Dan one over twenty three and a half. Uh, ja- Did you just say yours, Josh? I'm sorry. I, every time I have no, a multitask, I'm just like completely blown out. My so my my actual pick of the week that. I'm going to like have to re down or re uh, deposit to like unload on is uh Seattle Seahawks week one are not favored in, uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, so better quarterback getting points, take the money. Uh, so that's my actual pick of the week, that's, but that's not league. That's if once even played, did you see that shit? I don't even care if once plays yeah. like, Carson Wentz, Carson Bentz, doesn't matter. Russell Wilson plus money, take it. Uh, anyways, you're you're so that, you're you're taking on the 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 Pete Carroll variants there. Yeah, but like Pete Carroll variants doesn't matter because Russell Wilson. Oh yeah, no, it doesn't matter six. in the first six weeks. I forgot. Yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'm taking that, and uh, but in league, I'm going to take the RNG Town under thirty for the five or however many games and graded each. I think it's a. Uh, I think these these two teams are both willing to scrap early game, and I think that's going to result in some snowballs some here. Games, yeah, that makes a lot of uh, sense. Yeah, yep. So that's that's my my league related one. All right. But I'm much more much more excited about that Seattle Seahawks <laughs> week one line at Indy. Um, I think that's going to be it for us tonight. Uh, we'll we'll be touching on um, we'll be doing all the off season stuff. We'll be recapping obviously this weekend in msi next week and then looking toward the summer split which starts off on june 4th so uh, we won't have power rating shows for each of the uh leagues like we do for like the preseason because i think basically what we're gonna do is next week we're gonna go back look at what we did for power ratings in each one and then maybe just like make slight adjustments based on the the offseason moves and we'll kind of do it you know more freehand less you know super super strict structure for it and we'll uh you know try to just give our takes on who we think's improved who's worse etc for summer so enjoy msi this weekend uh anything else from you guys nothing here man i'm ready to go watch the lakers (laughs) all right everybody we'll see you all next week The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.